0: Today's episode is with our lady Jay. I'm actually just about to record it, and I, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. But um, our lady Jay is somebody I've seen perform and run into at a bunch of things here in Los Angeles over the years, and it's just been really cool to watch her uh, career expand and also um, her honesty. So I'm I'm assuming that she's going to be super open, honest on this podcast too. Ooh, ooh I'm excited. Also, I want to just send a shout out to myself. Uh, Rape Jokes, which was the uh, special I put out in June of last year, we're like above $95,000 raised for Rain. So you can watch it for free on my website, CameronEsposito.com. And then if you want to, you can choose to donate and the money goes to Rain. My goal has always been 100K. I'm super proud of 95. Uh, I would love it if you just kept the word spreading and, and if you just kept donating. I still see... New folks donating every day, you know, get an email when you donate. And um, it really means a lot to me that not only uh, did Time Magazine say it was the number four best special of 2018, but also I put it out independently and I have enough support from folks like you that um, it still was, I think, very impactful, um, especially because of that moolah, which goes to do the Real work that helps folks who are survivors of assault. So friends, head over to com. That's not what it is. It's Cameron Esposito.com <laughs> and uh, and watch the special. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hey friends, so there was a tiny mix-up with uh time that we recorded this, and so this is a shorter episode than usual. Uh, but still, like, I think going to be about 45 glorious minutes. So enjoy. And also, I hope I make my flight. <laughs> I usually have folks, not usually, I say that I always do this. I okay.
1: always have folks <laughs> <laughs> introduce themselves. Okay. So uh, would you introduce yourself? Sure. I am Our Lady J. I am a... TV writer and producer, currently on Pose, formerly of Transparent, and I'm so happy to be here today.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy that you're here too. And I also just want to say that you had like a you're rushing in from. How does lateness affect you? Like I can't from, even, Dia. For me, it's uh, I I it's very difficult.
1: I have so so much shame. It's from right my now.
0: childhood, um, where <laughs> I like very fully have a. Uh, I am like actually like not a late person, but I grew up sort of always being like the human in my family that was the slowest, mm. and I think that's because number one, my family moves um, at a uh, maniacal speed, mm-hmm. and also um, I think I was just like kind of gay and had a hard time getting out the door. Does that make any sense? Like, <laughs> that I just makes was like, lot I sense. was just like, I'm so gay that I'm slow. Like, I'm like, it's very physically slow. Like, it's like my body feels like it's weighed down by. Um, <laughs> something and i think it's my well uh, my lack of awareness of why i feel so different
1: i think there's a reason behind that and and I, that marilyn monroe would talk about that a lot she was like always two hours late we're the for same thing basically the same as queer people yeah but it's you know trying to take control of your life when other people have control of it is really what constant lateness is about I'm so sorry I was late today. I haven't been constantly late since my alcoholism in the 90s. That was a long time ago.
0: Well, look, (laughs) um, I don't feel stressed about it. I feel, um, or angry or anything like that. I feel more so just like I wanted to kind of make you feel... um, like you could tell me what was really going on, because like you. you know, sometimes in your body you zoom in and and uh, you don't get a chance to. I'm feel having that. flashbacks
1: of that that need to control, which I gave up a long time ago. Yeah, you know, I grew up in a military family. Um, well, my two younger brothers are military, my grandfather, great grandparents, and all that. But we were, um, we were in. An Amish and Mennonite community, so, like, lots of hillbillies, lots of military folks, lots of Mennonites, lots of evangelicals.
0: Wait, where is this geographically?
1: Pennsylvania. Of
0: course, yes. It's just, that's, like, I'm, southern that's Pennsylvania. That's what I assumed, but I did, yeah, anyway.
1: <laughs> so, you have, like, all of those cultures coming together, and the one thing they all have in common is that they're very regimented. And so, when I was a child, if we were two minutes late to church, it was a, it was unacceptable. So, I still carry that with me as an adult.
0: Yes. Well, this is, um, not church and you, you are doing we're gonna, Can we go to church though?
1: I would like to go to church with you. Do you go? As in like, no, no. As in like testify to the spirit and oh get real. Oh my God.
0: Yes. I mean, I feel like we're already there. That's like, I, I love the honesty and the things that we've already covered. It's been, um, I don't have a watch. Two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we've gotten, do you see what we're doing?
1: I love it. That's, we're, cause we're doing well.
0: I'm trying to meet people where they are. Um, and I can tell you, you do that too. I appreciate that. Um, and I and I, you know what else I well I said this kind of like in the intro that I recorded before you came here. Uh, I feel like we met for the first time maybe when I hosted the GLAAD Awards that you performed at, mm-hmm. uh, which was I don't literally don't even know when that was like 2015 or something maybe. Wow. Um And uh, since then, I've seen you like just from afar continue to have um, like some some success and some. Um, maybe a little bit more ownership on Pose because I don't even know what your specific job title change is, but it's a bigger job at Pose, right? In terms of just like the, like, are you in...
1: I'm a writer-producer. Writer-producer. Yeah. And were mm-hmm.
0: you that on Transparent?
1: I was. You were?
0: Okay, yeah. so then maybe it's But I
1: started as a staff writer at Transparent. Got so it. So my first worked season up, there, I worked thing. from staff, editor, staff writer to story editor yep. to producer to supervising producer. Right,
0: right, right. Um... Well, it just seems like things are moving in a positive direction for you. Thanks. Sometimes people I don't have, say it's that. been going
1: well. Thank, Thank you. Us. <laughs> I'm really happy. Yeah, I'm happy to have. Um, I've always felt like I've had something to say, and I've I've been an artist. You know, I started playing the piano when I was four years old, and so communicating and storytelling have been one and the same in my creative endeavors. But It feels nice to have the world finally meet that. (laughs) I'm 40 now. So 36 years later, I feel like the world is in a place where we can hear trans voices and we can hear... um, I can be met without fear, without so much fear. There's still lots of fear. But when I first opened my mouth as a singer-songwriter, you know, 15 years ago, people were just really afraid of a trans person having something to say. And we've come so far, so... More than I think, my pride with my career. I'm just really proud of our community and of our our world and how far we've come.
0: At four, was that a choice or I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm asking because I I'm trying to imagine like a, well like when I was a kid I was signed up for, signed up for a lot of things you know sure. um as opposed to opting in
1: and um, the way I remember it, my parents bought a piano at this auction. Auctions were a big thing in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you know. We don't really go shopping. We go to auctions. (laughs) So we'd go to these auctions, and they got, like, a piano for, like, $99. I loved this piano. It was, like, 120 years old. And I just remember, like, banging on it all the time. And I think they just wanted me to make nice sounds instead of (laughs) sounds that were perhaps atonal and more modern. Um, <laughs> so they got me in lessons shortly after that.
0: Did it feel good right away?
1: No, I hated it. I had this teacher, rest in peace, Mrs. Hare. Um,
0: like, like like a- hair,
1: <laughs> well, she was just really ferocious, actually well, yeah. one, one thing I loved about her she had an Avon basket, like a sample basket, so when we would go to her place, I would always I would tell her it was my birthday, like every other week, and I think she was just being nice and humoring me, and she would just give me a little bit of makeup, so I had like these those little Avon sample lipsticks that I would you know put lipstick on. I'm having like a memory right now that I haven't experienced for a long time. Wow. So she was really great, but then she also like beat my hands with a pencil, like if I would make a mistake. So I didn't like that so much.
0: Yeah. Complicated feedback. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Complicated feedback.
1: That tends to happen in life.
0: Mm -hmm. That does tend to happen Mm -hmm. in life. You were putting that makeup on, where were you like geographically in your in your house or um, maybe geographically so, Well, and geographically within your house. Give me the um, latitude, <laughs> longitude. No, I mean, like, what, what room would you be in or would you well, be somewhere else that wasn't your house?
1: I didn't know it was a bad thing until I put it on my brother. Like, I just drew, like, all over his face, like, prison tattoos. Um, and it was just beautiful. I was expressing myself. And then I got in a lot of trouble for that. And then the more I got called, you know, and, and in school, the teasing... Taunting and teasing really didn't happen until junior high as, you know, most queer people understand or at least queer people my age. I think it's better for the youth. But um so elementary school was okay, but then once the externalized teasing happened, I knew that this was a very bad thing that I had to hide.
0: Yeah. What was this? What was the theme of the of the teasing was it like um
1: a lot of body shaming around my weight. Oh, you know what?
0: I actually got that too. Wow. I, that was also my teasing. Wow. Because a lot of times I think for queer folks it's like um, – like I wasn't – I I really wasn't shamed so much for um, like what, what might have been masculinity or butchness or whatever because mm-hmm. um, it was like post-Title IX. Women could play sports. It wasn't – it wasn't um, – like – you didn't watch women's sports but like children <laughs> could play sports that were right. uh, being cultured female and um right so like i definitely didn't get yeah like sometimes i talk to people on this show and they talk about like specific words that are like you know queer slurs or whatever i like did not get those oh, but wow. i just got a lot of body shame stuff on weight issues which i think was actually people being like something's wrong right what is it what You're, you know? you look different <laughs> is it the sl- like the slight <laughs> Extra weight you carry in your middle because I really wasn't heavy, um, yeah. and uh, and I only say that like not like because I really believe in uh, shaming heavy children, but because it's so clear to me that that's what was going on, right?
1: But like, what was? so well, I did was, have the additional slurs, yeah. Um, trigger for everyone in the congratulations, audience, but I was like fat faggot was something I heard often.
0: Oh man, that is so tough. That it is tough. a little
1: poetic. The two Fs and the right. two As. At least they tried. Yes. But it was pretty dramatizing. Right. Um, and then they called me Liberace. Um oh, Because wow. I was a flamboyant pianist. I got really good at the piano because I realized it was something I could hide in. And I could escape my bullies through that. So I would perform all the time. Like, my mom would be like, tell your music teacher that you just learned a new piece and you want to play it.
0: Oh, so you're like at school.
1: I'm at school. These people
0: already think this is what's... There are... Mm-hmm. And you... Um,
1: and then I dazzle them with my talents. And then you
0: dazzle them with your
1: talents. And then I become Liberace. Yeah. So I realized, you know, maybe I should put on a rhinestone or two. Um, and eventually, I, I owned that. Mm. My dog's name is Liberace you now.
0: Oh wow! One of
1: my dogs. <gasps> so it was it was very vocally anti queer. Yeah. But there was a, a lot of body stuff. It was probably equal the body shaming. Mm.
0: You have a dog named Liberace now. You were you. Added a rhinestone then. Like, I mean, absolutely moving into that.
1: It took me a while to find the rhinestones. I was
0: going to say, like, you know, moving into that and, like, reclaiming it, that's all, you know, rad. But, like, man, there's that middle part where.
1: Oh, honey, I don't remember any of it. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't remember 1994 to 2000 and.
0: You said that uh, it was I'm just kidding. no, but like you said, it was it was drinking for you.
1: Those were the hard hard years. I did drink. I drank a lot actually. I discovered that um, all of the bad feelings went away, and so it, I think most people when they drink they feel relaxed and maybe a few bad feelings went away. But for me. I was able to finally not look at the burning question of my identity, which was that I had always felt feminine. I didn't know what the word trans was. I, I didn't have that vocabulary. I didn't know how to express myself, but I knew my femininity was shut down really early on. And so luckily I got a handle on my drinking relatively fast. I got sober at a really young age and um, I realized after I got sober that the thing that I was running from was my gender identity. And so I came out as trans shortly after that.
0: And if you don't mind my asking, and you can s- certainly say if this is too personal a question, but I just, obviously this is, um, you know, uh, issues of chemical dependence or alcoholism are such a part of our community, as they're part mm-hmm. of every community. Yeah. Um, and I'm I always... When somebody has this story, I'm always curious about like what, like how did you, like how did you do this? You know, how did you make the um, like if anything that you feel like you want to share about the like, mm-hmm. steps that you took or how you were able to move in? Because I'm sure there are people listening who sure they like they don't know what to do.
1: No, absolutely. There's a lot of support out there. You know, there are twelve step groups. There, I mean, thank God for LGBT centers. Um, yeah, Gay Men's Health Crisis helped me a lot in New York um, with harm reduction therapy. Um, But the main trigger for me that inspired me to come out was I found out I was HIV positive in 2004. And um, I knew I needed to be healthy after that. So I couldn't just hide away. Um, You know, especially around the fat shaming. As a kid, I just did not want to look at my body around um, the femme shaming, the transness. I just wanted to escape from my body. And that HIV diagnosis for the first time really put me in my body. It was like, girl, you gotta listen up, because you're not gonna stay on this planet long if you don't. So that woke me up.
0: Wow. I mean, that's still a huge amount of effort and um, action required on your part. Like we can things we can get information about ourselves, and we can choose to not give a fuck about making
1: changes. Well, luckily, there was a, I had a lot of help along the way. Yeah. I think um, that made me reach out to other people for help for the first time, and I really learned the value of community and the value of sisterhood and admitting that I couldn't do everything on my own, admitting that I was ashamed, that I was ashamed to have HIV, that I was ashamed to be trans, and how was I going to move beyond that? I had to look towards people who were not ashamed and people who had really led the way to... Um, Removing stigma um, and, and that required a lot of vulnerability, but it was something that I had seen reflected in a, a lot of beautiful people. And so um, there is help out there. I think if anyone is listening and struggling with those things, um, you know, vulnerability is courage. And if we lean into that, we can find our family and those are the people who are going to help lift us up.
0: Man, that's, I, I can't tell you how much that like specifically – well, I um, – you know, I haven't really talked about this on the show, but it just feels like I've, I would be disingenuous if I didn't like bring it up in this moment. Um, I'm going through separation in my life, and what you're talking about, like I think what's great about stand-up comedy, uh, which is my main field, mm-hmm. is that you can like kind of share your feelings in this way that is like the – most control. Like, Mm -hmm. you've actually practiced the way you're going to say it. Um, (laughs) You charge people admission to hear you talk about it so you know it's not a burden because they are paying you and it's a date night for them. right? Um, And, uh, you know, I think for myself, like, I used humor as a coping mechanism for so long. A lot of Mm. it having to do with, like, this, you know, body shame stuff or, like, uh, the slowness that I'm even talking about. Like, all those things. And so I just, like, developed this awesome tool for that sense of humor and then I like rode that like as far as that like one tool could take me and I think that's something I mean that's that could that could be alcohol you know what I mean like you find one tool Mm -hmm. it's also not even like an unuseful tool like you're saying like alcohol you know makes you calm down it's like that works yeah till you realize that like one tool is just really not enough. Until and it, I turns think it turns
1: on you. Until it turns on you. Alcoholic and turning. Your career might take a little longer for that to turn on you. Well,
0: not necessarily. I mean, you <laughs> know, I will say that was my experience this year, was realizing that, like, I uh, have provided community for a lot of other people, but mm-hmm. that I, like, felt uh, that I... That the only way that I could talk to people was like, like it, like as it starts to be a bigger part of your life. And I'm not, right. I'm not saying these are du- there's a direct correlation, mm-hmm. but sometimes the feelings can be the same even if there isn't a direct correlation. Um, you know, I just realized that like what I needed to do was behave extremely differently with like friends and, mm. um, and like, not put off actually telling people what was going on. Because right. I was, like, too busy or traveling or because it was too private or because, you know, whatever. Right. And it was really just because, like, the one thing that I had was not serving the thing of, like, oh, well, I have this huge change in my life. I've gotten this really new information that's, like, painful and it's going to require mm-hmm. a lot of changes. And uh, I can't just, like, go out and only make jokes
1: about would it. Would your – would your um Dealing with that normally be to just put it into your work right away? Absolutely. Yep. I see. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I'm the girl who calls everybody. I have, like, four best friends. (laughs) And all I do when I drive is call and cry about everything. (laughs) And they're old, old friends, so they're all super vaulted. And I know that they, you know, keep my secrets. And, um, you know, so if I, you know, get rejected on a date, the first thing I do is call my sisters yeah, and cry. And then I put it into the work. How did you
0: that. meet those people? How are they? How did they enter your life?
1: They're the people who helped me stay alive when I was in my, my yeah. lowest point. And, you know, there's really something to those friendships, to the people who are with you when you're going through something that's scary. And for those people who aren't scared away, but those people who really still see the light in you, even though this, t- this difficult thing is happening in your life. Um, so really, yeah. I guess we're bonded by trauma. Yeah. That would be accurate.
0: Right. Um, bonded by trauma. And uh, that makes sense to me. I also think um, like honesty in that moment, being honest with people and having them not turn away is is like a for me mm-hmm. a revelatory experience. Like I I feel like um always thought maybe I had to present like a different like mm-hmm. what if I shine this up a little bit for you so that it's like easier for you to deal with. Yes, you know, but totally. when you're like in your trauma so hard, it's very it's like that's so much energy. You literally can't. Yeah. So you just have to be like, no, this is like the actual thing. And uh I have found, like, to my surprise that um like people are like, okay with that slash appreciate it. Like I, like I always was just like, everybody wants me to like chill it the fuck out before I hand it over and people are, and people are uh, giving me feedback that that is actually untrue. They feel like trusted right. and brought into my life. And I am like, you are kidding me right, right now.
1: <laughs> Do you mean I can cry and you're going to see a reflection of your own humanity oh my and God. feel
0: something? Are you a good crier? <laughs> I am. Oh, man. like I have I, to be
1: in the right spot, though. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. I'm like – I am like a terrible crier usually. Oh, okay. And I'm uh,
1: – what, what do you mean terrible choir, choir,
0: well, crier? Well, um, like, okay. Uh, number one, it, it historically has rarely happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it did happen would be like – I mean, it's like <laughs> so much effort is happening – the volcano <laughs> is about to burst one tear. You know what I mean? Like literally just like she's overwhelmed Boop. and like just <laughs> and fully, I'm still fully hydrated. Like, you're yeah, done? I'm done. But I have like a terrible headache, you know? Cause I'm just like, Right.
1: Uh, um, Botox helps with (laughs) that. It really does. It's like it forces you to express through other areas because you just can't express that part of your face anymore. Your forehead? Yeah. If you like Botox, whatever you Botox, you're normally used to, you know, winding that up.
0: I haven't done it. First of all, I just have to say this is a side step, but I haven't done any of that stuff yet. Who knows if I ever will.
1: I'm glad we're finally on the topic. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, if you have any questions or if you need to know the right doctors... Yeah, I'll give you a ring. Give me a ring. I'm
0: serious. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year.
1: And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows
0: <laughs> um, Maria Bamford, who's an awesome stand-up comic, has, like, some jokes about how her worries that it's, like, facial expression is such a part of the job.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, it's, like, like right. keeping your face, like, truly in step with no, the expression totally. you mean to make is, like, actually yeah. so important for specifically my field. Like, even no, more so than, like, somebody who's on TV because you can use, like, micro expressions.
1: Right. Um, uh-huh. But
0: if you're on stage, usually you're, like— yeah. performing for anybody that's, like, in the um, balcony and stuff. Right. This is, like, literally where my brain goes with this. No, that no, kind that's of thing. so smart. Because like,
1: I've, I've watched actresses who can't move, and I just want to, you know, call their doctor and say, what are you doing to them? Like, you need to yes. really ease up on people who do that for a living. I'm a writer. I'm behind the scenes. So I'm just going <laughs> to freeze the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I also feel like, I don't know, I guess I feel... It's not like I look at in the mirror and I'm like, I see no signs of aging. I can't tell how I feel about it yet. Can't Aging's tell-
1: great, right? Can I ask how old you are? I'm 37. Yeah, so we're the same age. I'm yeah, 40. Yeah. I love when I hit 40, honestly, I like had a cigarette and I was like, I don't care, I'm having a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> not to say that you should go into self-destructive behaviors, but I felt like I didn't need to apologize anymore. Hmm. And now with my my Botox and surgeries and everything that we're talking about, I don't really do it to look younger. I want to look like that old frozen bitch. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's not like a youth aesthetic. Okay. It's that's a, actually It's a beauty aesthetic.
0: Um, that's interesting. Oh, I guess that also puts, I don't know what my, I don't know what my beauty aesthetic is in terms of like what I think the, my face
1: should actually look like. Maybe I'm going back to Mrs. Hare, my piano teacher. Maybe. And the but, Avon basket. She I was mean, always that, so snatched.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's actually that's actually what I'm <laughs> – right, exactly. Well, like, what you're describing, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I know what that face is or whatever, but I think for me it's like, um, even in – like, even just in Hollywood, I don't even mean like in the r- world outside of here, but like I look at like somebody who's maybe more on my end of the – presentation spectrum and, like, what is your face supposed to do? And I don't mean right. that, like, I don't mean that, like, I need to, um, I personally am making the choice to follow what other people are, but, like, literally what's even being presented to me as the options for what a more masculine face is. I think it's, it's whatever
1: like, you want it to be, right?
0: Yeah, but, you know, we still get cues from the outside world. Sure. Not, I guess what I'm saying sure. is I don't see some, like, um, you know, like, butch dyke that I'm, like there are so many of these faces presented to me and I know what I'm supposed to look like when I'm 60 or something. Like, I just don't Uh, feel like, who are those people even?
1: I mean, I see so many butch dykes where I'm like, I want that face. (laughs) Okay, who are they? I don't know. I love all my butchies. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to name names. You don't like to name names? (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) I guess I just feel like it's like, I look at, um, like, I guess I look to men. I feel a little bit more like David Bowie. Mm Mm-hmm. But that person aged in a way that was maybe a little bit feminine. Sure. I wish we had better words. Yeah. Um,
1: Interesting. So you consider David Bowie like a Butch Dyke?
0: Yeah, I mean, sort of. But yeah, then I'm like, that makes sense. But then it's like, is that it's that that person, and then also like Robert Redford? How do those people combine? Mm. They have a very different amount of lines on their yeah. face.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true.
0: So it's hard to know, like, what I would want, you know, because we, we do like, yeah, we are affected by things that are modeled for us.
1: I dated yeah. a butch for a while and she was, oh you just gave me a look.
0: I give you eyebrows, <laughs> two of them at the same time.
1: Oh, please don't mind me. I'll oh, look over my wow. uh, lids at you. Yeah, but She was ageless, like truly ageless. Oh, I, I, yeah? had, I still have no idea how old she is. And that was like <gasps> 10 years ago. <laughs> and we're good friends still. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I suppose I don't actually... I don't actually know that. Who, like, in terms of folks that you date,
1: is there a... I mostly date men, specifically really gorgeous men. And, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but, you know, occasionally if a butch comes along and has that same masculinity, it's really about the attitude and the masculinity for me. Mm. I'm flexible.
0: Yeah. Word. Has that always been true? Like, um... No.
1: I was very rigid with my my attractions when I was younger, I was like, I just want a daddy, period. You know, I was 20, and I was like, just give me a daddy. And then um, when I transitioned, everything kind of changed, and I saw beyond gender in a way that I hadn't seen before. So I just opened myself up to, well, I stopped seeing gender in people's bodies as much and more gender as an attitude. And so I, I opened up to that. What it did it- change
0: where did you live? Uh, when you were transitioning, where did you live? What city did you live in?
1: I lived in New York. So it was a lot easier for me to transition there than anywhere else. Um, but at the same time, there New York has a lot of toxic masculinity. I think mm. everyone knows that.
0: What do you mean? I mean,
1: come on. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was called out a lot. Oh, on-
0: I've actually never, I know this is, I'm going to just t- take a pause and say yes, it does and I've literally never even thought about that. Literally, being able to it's put my
1: literally Donald Trump's home.
0: Yes. But also just like <laughs> where, I'm walking here where he like feels it's like most the comfortable
1: living is New York. Oh
0: my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, everybody's so, you know, Toxic. About to punch each other on the train.
1: Yeah, I hate That's it. That's
0: what that is. I, fr- I couldn't. Hate it. I've never been able to.
1: <laughs> what that is. Well, everybody thinks it's about like the downtown queers, but they're all gone. They've all left. They've all moved to LA. Like LA is the new Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And so we're all out here <laughs> making our weird art. Some of us are making, you know, more mainstream stuff, but like it's, it's all out here now. And I found like a real acceptance of femininity mm-hmm. in LA.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, well, I will see that in, I mean, I will say my, my older sister is like super, uh, super straight, but also in the art world. So like her actual life that she lives every day is like this kind of very normative, like straight life. But Mm -hmm. then she's, she comes out here and she always remarks on like what she sees the straight men doing in terms of parenting,
1: and really? that
0: is something that leads me to believe there's some acceptance of the feminine.
1: <laughs> what are the straight men doing as to parenting out here? Um,
0: uh, Holding their children, oh. uh, like going to the park with their children. Mm, maybe um, I still want a daddy. I just, <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's like there are still places, that's so you know, sweet. I forget that there are, because I'm like, because my paradigm isn't the, you know, straight cisgender family unit. Yeah. Um, I sometimes forget that we still live in a world where, like, men babysit their children. Right. You know, like, that that's the word that they use or whatever. And so...
1: Well, I live in West Hollywood, so it's yeah. all men babysitting their children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, there yeah. are different parts of LA. Yeah, yeah. You're, right. you're probably talking about Silver Lake, because I know there's a lot of straight folks in Silver Lake. Well, I'm, Is I'm, that right?
0: I'm thinking about, like, remembering that there are straight people that live anywhere and, right. ha- and have families and stuff. And, that like, because LA does feel very um, kind right. of... Like queered and, and,
1: uh, well, what's interesting about being trans is that those are the guys that are interested in me, mm-hmm. the straight men, but they haven't really figured it out yet because nobody's really talking to each other about it. So I date a, only straight men. I wish I could date a gay man, I really would love a gay boyfriend, but they're just, I have really big boobs and they're <laughs> really not into that. Yeah. Unless you're on stage sure. and putting a dollar bill and, and you know, and that's not <laughs> what I want. But that's not how I want to be treated, although it's a perfectly fine way to be treated if that's the way you want to be treated.
0: What is that like? I. What is it like uh, – if you're dating a straight man, um, I don't mean like – it's obvious to me why that person would be attracted to you. That's not the question I'm asking. Um, more so just like you are part of this culture that like they are not part of.
1: Right. It's very uh, confusing for them. And I, they've – often been vocal about their confusion to me, which has been helpful in my television writing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But also hurtful as a human. Um, It's come a long way, though, since I first transitioned in 2005. And now, like, almost 15 years later, they're coming out and being like, okay, yes, trans women are women. Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, when you see me on a dating site... Like, people don't know I'm trans, thanks to all of my many doctors um, who have removed the masculinity from my body. Um, my voice is still a bit deeper, so sometimes that that clocks me. Um, or sometimes they just think I'm like a Kathleen Turner who smokes lots of cigarettes and drinks wine. <laughs> um, so... My stomach just growled. Did you hear that? I
0: think mine growled at the exact same moment. Wow. So there was like some coverage.
1: Hunger yeah. over desire. Maybe? Yeah, 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 exactly. About? So the guys often are really cool with me um, because I'm more passable now, but I'm still very tall. So uh, they're often cool in private and on that first date, but then when it comes to a relationship. They're, they don't know how to integrate that into their lives. They don't know how to tell their friends that they're dating a trans woman because there's so much stigma around that. And I think also homophobia, they don't want to be seen as gay, right. even though it wouldn't be a gay relationship. Um, so there's there's less and less movement. I find with, like, millennials, um, I've gone on quite a few dates with, like, 28-year-olds lately, and I feel like maybe I'm a little bit of a cougar, but that's not my, my like, typical preference because, like, sometimes you just can't have an adult conversation. Sure. Um, but that generation is much more open to dating trans women, the straight men. They're so much more open. Like, um, you know, they won't be asking you to meet them in a dark parking lot somewhere. Mm they'll actually meet you up for dinner. They might tell you they can't afford dinner, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they at least want to meet you for yeah. dinner. Um, and that's refreshing because I know, you know, folks are coming around. Um, but I don't know. Have you dated a 28-year-old before?
0: No. Not, um, I've done, like, I've done, let's see. I've done 10 years older, and I've done... Mm. Um, I think maybe seven years younger is, like, the biggest gap mm. I've done on either side. And uh, I always, like, of course I live in a world where I understand that, like, age can't be the ultimate thing that divides us. Because I believe that there are not, because I, you know, have to believe that there aren't other things that divide us. But I have found for myself, like, what I ended up experiencing um, sometimes, like, not always, but with that age spread was just, like, that it meant that we were at different places in terms of self sufficiency and that right. was a huge factor.
1: My issue yeah. is the calendar. Uh. They cannot keep the calendar. <laughs> sure, yeah. Every that's single true. time. Yeah. I'm like, we said we're meeting at seven thirty. That's not flexible the <coughs> yeah. day of. You gotta give me twenty four hours. Mama's sure. busy. Yeah. Mama's real busy.
0: That makes sense. I mean And I also just want to say, just to circle back, like everything that you just told me about um, like dating straight men is absolutely like, uh, you know, stuff I've heard from folks and like, you know, we see it included in like, um, you know, statistics about things that are dangerous and all those things. And what I was also curious about was was like actually what it's like for you framing it like. You know, I love being part of the queer community and Mm. the LGBT community. And then, like, I have so many friends that, like, I really love and trust that are, like, a straight straight cis person that is, like, outside of our community. Mm. And, like, we love each other and we see each other. And then I have this one extra thing that they are not part of. Like, it's, like, a community that I have. And that's actually what I was curious about is, like, if you ever feel like – that you have oh, yeah. some things about you. It's like not that I am so concerned about them. It's more like, right. what
1: is it like for you? Well, I have gay trauma, to be yeah, real. right, yeah. I do have a lot of gay trauma. Right. And I, I, I love my my queer community. So, I mean, sometimes when they see RuPaul's Drag Race on my TV, they're like, what's that? And I'm like, you got to go.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> you gotta, no I'm sorry
0: that you know what there it is like expecting some <laughs> amount of like self-education or whatever to you gotta know a
1: little yeah. bit about queer culture <laughs> you if you're to gonna get, get with a trans door. woman yeah I mean this trans woman not yeah. every trans woman but I do sure. feel like I'm very much in queer culture and that can be difficult having the same language and the same aesthetic and the same you know humor yeah. even
0: yeah absolutely
1: but I believe the right ones out there
0: yeah oh for sure
1: I mean there are many many right ones let's just say <laughs>
0: of course you know weirdly because I have to go um, I guess I have to go we're gonna you have to catch a wrap flight wrap up the mm-hmm. the.
1: do you want to continue the this on FaceTime right on the tarmac
0: yes like okay. also um, also just I have loved talking to you this was such a great conversation thanks we, for having me we on. like we got through some stuff.
1: We got through some stuff. This is a comedy <laughs> a comedy podcast, yeah. right? Like,
0: it's, well, it's <laughs> it's like funny and fun, but it's also like real and yeah. Um, I think people will really respond to your honesty. Thank like you. You're rad. I had a
1: lot of fun. You're yeah. rad.
0: Um, before I before I head out and before you go back to your life, I just wanted to ask you if you want to shout out a queero, which is a yes. human being or person or place, May you feel comfortable being who you are today.
1: I mean. There, I have so many queeros. Um, you know, Dolly Parton, obviously, is number one on my list. <laughs>
0: oh, great.
1: But um, RuPaul, like when I was watching VH1 in the 90s, gave me life. Um, and then the older I got, the more um, in my community they became. Alexandra Billings is a queero of mine. Laverne Cox is a queero of mine. Um, they're all around me.
0: Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I gave you four. Pretty lucky, cool?
0: yeah. Of course. Okay. Um, well, Arlie J, what a delight!
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I Thanks really for being here. Love chatting.
0: Let's talk as humans a different time. Yeah. okay well, I see
1: you at the GLAD Awards. Oh, I, mean, I don't that?
0: think I'm going this year, but um, you can uh, just hold a hold a leather jacket in a photo with you, and it will be like I was there. <laughs> I'll <make> the same
1: <laughs> Thank you. I will. <laughs> but, Thanks.